Kokorongo kite tangi a te kori mako Ko rero flowing a te hoka force Ko papa relevant, ko papa out of bounds Ko papa exigent, ko papa paramount Nga ko nga whakapiri mai ki te Ko papa tino whakahira hira Whakarongo pi kari kari mai Hare hare mai, o tari ngā hare hare mai We gotta gather up close everybody Gather up close everybody Kane kane move that body Kane kane move that body E ngā reo korohi, e ngā reo koroki, anei ngā reo, anei o māwa o tira o mātou o ngai taringa, e whakapāho tēnei kia koutou e te motu, a, i te hiku o te ika ki te puku, a, ka titiro atau ki te tai rāwhiti, ki te kaimihi o te rā kia hiku rangi, a, ka huri ki te tai hau auru, ki te kai poroporo aki i te rā, a rā, te maunga tito hea taranaki e tū mai rā. Whakawhiti i te mōna raukaua, a, ki te waipou namu, Kei oku nui, kei oku whakateitei, tēnā koutou, tēnā rawatu koutou, tēnā koutou. Tēnā koutou katoa, mauri ora. Tēnā koutou katoa. You know who, um, do you know who Hetaki Atakani te uas? Oh, look at me. Oh, yeah, I've heard definitely yeah, yeah, know no, the name. Yeah, yeah, no, tēnā mahiki. Well, I've got this recording of him and he goes, tēnā koutou katoa, katoa, katoa. <laughs> and he does a tīpata pata. <laughs> yeah, hoi anō e te iwi, nau mai hoki mai, here we are coming at you from the bustling metropolis of Te Omutu. Under the auspices of Te Wānonga o Te Aroa And we're back for another tereinga of Taringa We are at episode 100 and something Yeah <laughs> 150 something 156 Thank Here you Tahi rauri matakau mā ono And e te iwi He manuhiri No taringa te maringa nui Ko a whakai tēnei rangatira Kia haere mai hei manuhiri mā māua Ko Erika i te rā nei Ani mahu e taku mihi ki a koe, kia ora tūhine. Kia ora. Tēnā koe, tēnā kōrua. <laughs> tēnā kōrua. Me me kare koe te mōhio ana e hapu ana. Uh, taku tūhine, uh, Erika. She was yep. sharing a cool story about her swimming this morning. <laughs> yes, getting very out of breath. E whitu wiki e toi ana, so <laughs> not long to go. Ko rere te wā. Ka pai. Koe no, um, hoki atu uh, ki tā tātou manuhiri kua tae mai. Uh, tēnei uh, rangatira, uh, tēnei ringa rehe, uh, nō roto i ngā mahi toi, uh, e rangi, kei te mihi ake tēnā koe? Tēnā hūrua, tēnā koutou. Ka fiua kia koe mo tētahi wāwhaka mōhio mai uh, ki te iwi nei, uh, ko wai koe, nō whea koe, uh, me rā kōrero katoa. Uh, ko rangi, ki patu a kuinga, ko au tētahi o ngā mokahai wari o te maunga tito heara. Ai uh, heke mai i ngā tātai i wakapapa o te atiawa, nga tiraru, nga tītama ki te tauihu uh, I, I te, te motu nei o, o taranaki Ai uh, heke mai i a taranaki iwi me te atiawa hoki Orira, tēnā koutou Tēnā koe, tēnā koe rangi I've been a big fan of your mahi rangi Oh, thank you <laughs> yeah, ever since I was just share, I just shared with Rangi before that um, I saw him working in action at, uh, quite a few years ago now at WOMAD. Have you ever been to WOMAD? No, I haven't. It's really cool, really cool. World of Music Art and Drama Festival down in Taranaki. And um, he was doing a, a moko, a tamoko on a, a lady who performed in a band who had a like a circular kind of scar mm. on her arm. And you'd done this really cool sun moko thing around it. It was really cool. And that, that has just stuck in my head ever since then. And then uh, it's kind of embarrassing to admit this. Then I went home and um, 
I don't know if Google was around then, but I do remember. Oh wow, so it's like way back. <laughs> looking you up and um, on the internet and seeing your resin works that were in a gallery yeah. over in New York, I think. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's right. That, some gallery somewhere around yeah, the world. Somewhere in the around the world, and those were mind blowing to me further because I'd never seen contemporary Fukaido like that. So what would have been the kiwaha you would have used in that context, in oh, that situation? Oh, nice I'm writing you up here. Yes, I know, eh? Nā tōrehe, nā tirehe. I wouldn't say nā tōrehe because that's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave everybody to think about what that would be. Kōrerua no tērā, but you, you'd say nā tērehe. Anei te kiwaha. So, ara te kiwaha e te iwi, nā tērehe. And um, I like your translation or interpretation you gave for that kiwaha, Erika. We were talking about it before. What's your take on nā tērehe? You've got skills. You've got skills, yeah. Something done by the skilled person is like nā tērehe. You've got skills. Yeah. got skills. Could it be like you're the man? Yeah, but, um, mm, yeah, it is. But you're, you're, you're acknowledging the skill, particularly people that work with their hands yep. and on um, mahi toi. Yep, yep. Yeah. So that's that's the context I've heard that saying in, nā te rehe, and um, there's another kupu called a ringarehe, which are skilled ringarehe, hands. Yep. So whether it's whakairo, uh, tāmoko, raranga, and, and all the types of raranga, whatu and tāniko, that's nā te rehe, you could use that, nā te rehe. Yeah. Rawangi, mixed media. Uh, yeah, Even yeah, actually, yeah. you know, because you, you know, you're a photographer. You're not just a photographer. He kai whakāhu a rangatira koe, ko mahi he rangatira. And <laughs> I would use that in that context too with the um, photographs you take. I'd say nā te rehe. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, anei um, te ringa rehe e te iwi. And, um, yeah, we'll probably do that to death <laughs> through, <laughs> the, um, through the kōrero today. <laughs> And we've used the mm-mm akene before. Hey, remember that one? So you could you could also say rehe yeah, akene. Yeah, rehe akene, yeah. Yeah, rehe akene, rehe akene. Yeah. What's your translation of that one then? Um, well, so I learned that rehe akene was like, kind of like you're at the pinnacle. Yeah. Whereas kei runga no atu, for instance, is like, yeah, that was good. That was yeah. all right. Yeah, And yeah. then rehe akene is like, whoa. Yeah, it's that akene Amazing. that's the... Yeah. Takes it to another taumata. Yeah. Yeah. So, I'm going to tell you about and had a bit of a recap on the rehe ake. Nei. So, we're doing a toy series, and um, this is one we've been wanting to do for a while is showcasing toy, korero mote toy, meng aho tanga katoa o te toy, etai aho tanga o te toy. Uh-huh. And, um, when we were thinking of who we could talk to about Fakairo, we wanted to speak to somebody who had sort of moved in a few spaces in Fakairo, and we just kept seeing Rangikipa. Uh-huh. So, I might just chuck it over to you, bro. Just keep that kōrero mai, you know, tō tupu. What got you into Fakairo? It's the whole thing. Okay. Um, actually, what got me into Fakairo was mucking around at school. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I wasn't, I knew I wasn't dumb, but, um, you know, in the third form, I, I was doing really good in things like science and maths and, and other things. And then as I obviously got to, moved along and got to my fifth form years, I wasn't doing anything really. And uh, mum pulled me up and said, okay, 
you're, you're not um, mucking around doing nothing. And so we went into trade uh, Māori Fest. Yeah. Māori Fest, trade training. Yeah. And, you know, Māori trade trainings played a significant role in our, uh, in the land, you know, in Māori landscape anyway over the last, gee, I don't know, at least, uh, at least since my dad's time, I remember he mm-hmm. went away to trade training school to Te Kaihanga down in um, Christchurch. That's how I came about from from his, um, <laughs> my mother down there. So went into New Plymouth to Māori Fairs, had a look at uh, what they were offering, and uh, there was a, a whakaunga course mm-hmm. there um, that was run in Waitangirua, in Porirua, and, you know, the arts was, was one of my passions at school, probably one of the few things I paid attention to right through. Yeah. And I applied, um, went down for an interview with my portfolio, and I was successful in being accepted to that program. And... Um, that, that was actually quite a major shock for me, mm-hmm. moving from the country um, to a place like Porirua. And, and you know, I, I found it, uh, I, actually I found that whole process really difficult. I, I found Wellington really cold and bleak mm. in those days. I'm talking about 1983 was when I went there. So that was at the same time when Kuangareo was really starting. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So, and if I look back to the other significant thing that was happening at the time that I was there was Te Māori was, uh, was opening in overseas in 82, 83, it came back in 84, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And that, that was a, a significant game changer yeah. in the domestic arts sector. In Aotearoa anyway, you know, Pākehā people were, were the ones that were privileged with the, you know, opportunity to influence the way in which people saw our arts and up until Te Māori they just really saw our arts as an extension of the way in which they saw us which was you know unsophisticated Mm. um, crafty stuff you know like of a stone age people when in reality when you look at all of our taonga that were chosen to go to Te Māori and the way in which overseas critics when they compared our uh, old people's taonga to the stuff from any other civilization. You know, like you go to the uh, Metropolitan Museum and you see the mm-hmm. different galleries, Japanese galleries, the Hellenistic arts from the from the Greek, Greek, you know, different periods. Our stuff was as good as any of these. Mm. Yeah. And they wrote about it like that. And mm. it forced critics and it forced the art industry in New Zealand to reorient and change uh, their perspective and change their language. And because, you know, art is connected or our namiatoi, you know, these things these things that are the symbols, because they're not just art, they're our languages, they're the symbols, our greatest symbols of wealth, mm. the wealth and the prestige of, of our nations. And so when you look at our taonga, well, that's how our people see mm. it. Mm. And so the opportunity for Pākehā people to, um, especially in Aotearoa, you look at um, these ofa, these taonga, and when you connect them to the people, you're forced to change the way in which you see the people. Mm. Why, you know, I've always been, um, you know, I've been driven to be involved. I mean, I, I sat back at, you know, when I was younger um, and became politicised, I suppose, you know, because the, the, the problem of, I suppose, for me anyway, I'll speak about myself, is, is that growing up in Taranaki, you've got these dual narratives. And I kind of felt like I was uh, bipolar because you have one narrative that talks about our connection, about who we are, better connection to the whenua. And we can go around and see where all of our families lived on their respective lands. And then you've got this other narrative where all of, you've got all these symbols on the land. 
you know, these plinths, these uh, war memorials to the um, Pākehā soldiers who fought valiantly against Māori rebels. Mm. And so you get this really weird um, discourse going in your head trying to reconcile the disparity between two different mm. versions of this country. Mm. And so, you know, I, I figured out pretty early on that uh, that I didn't look Pākehā. Um, <laughs> I, I just think, you know, I was Māori. Uh, look, Māori, I, there's no, you can't escape that, you know, when you when you look like that. And so I just figured, well, if it, you know, if, if, if that's, that's where it's at, then that's where it's at. And I'm, and you know, I'm just going to go hard. And I made a decision that um, I was going to make a contribution to our people's future. And I figured that they probably the best contribution I could make um, was probably going to be in the arts. I mean, there, there were other places, but I just don't have the stomach for politics and various other things. Mm. So, and I could see um, the great benefit. I went to Waitangi in 1990 mm. And I looked at what went on there. Mm. Um, I, you know, we were part of the Cup of Waka project. So as all of our iwi were there uh, with their respective wakas, they, they just, they just, that blew me away. Mm. Mm. You know, to see a couple of thousand Māori men, which I'd never witnessed, you know, that level of, of engagement um, and single-minded, putting themselves to a purpose. Uh, that whole revival, watching the revival of Wakatawa and all of the tikanga and traditions and waka life, it clicked in my head then that, that actually this thing that we call colonisation doesn't have to be the death knoll that we think it's going to be. Mm. And we can actually unwind this stuff. Mm. We don't have to accept that what has been delivered upon us is what has to be. Yeah. And so in witnessing um, the revival of waka, I looked and I thought, actually, if we look at and, and we draw a, you know, a wheel and we write up all of these spokes and write down all of these tanga that um, that we know have been disaffected by the colonial project and that we can systematically identify the the ones that, that are relevant to um, bring back and figure out how we're going to do it and restore them because in the process, if you look at that wheel mm. and you start knocking spokes out of it and, you and you know, you get to a point where the wheel doesn't work anymore yeah. and not only that, but it has a, a collapsing effect on all, all of the others. So if we systematically start restoring mm. each of those tikanga, each of those practices, restoring um, and slowly putting back the jigsaw of our world, then then what comes with that is well-being. Mm. What comes with that is prosperity. What comes with that is love, is grace, is all of the things that our that our people had before we went through this mm. magnanimous um, and really unfortunate experience. But it doesn't have to be like that. Mm. Doesn't have to be like that. So I was really lucky when I enrolled uh, to Waikato. I didn't have university entrance, so I I applied under special admission, and that was a process where you where you basically had to write a letter and say why you wanted to go to university and, and um, begin tertiary um, study. And so I did that, and but that process was kind of slow. So that by the time I knew that I'd got accepted. It was actually time to turn up to university. Um, I didn't have time to pre-enroll. Mm-hmm. And so I turned up. I was green. I, I mean, no one in my family, extended family, has ever been to university before, so I, I had no clue what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I turned up to uni, and, and so that was also, 91 was also the same year that, that the um, government capped all the courses. Yeah. Or mm. kept funding, yep. which meant that universities kept their courses. So the Māori studies, nearly all of their papers were already mm-hmm. full. And so I, I got a, a dean that was standing on, on the lines to pull me over and said, oh, what are you looking at doing? So I told him, and anyhow, he, 
he pushed me into, um, he didn't push me, actually he guided me into some social um, science um, papers and, and I loved it. Mm. So I still was able to take my real Māori papers, but um, I didn't end up taking a Māori major. I ended up doing social sciences, uh, social um, anthropology major. And, and it was that was amazing for me because it was like a, a really um, condensed kind of decol course. It really upskilled me in that sense to be able to look at societies, how they operate, you know, all different societies from post-industrial right through to nomadic society. So I managed to develop a series of critical thinking, really, and figure out how to use my thinking and use the arts to be a part of um, that restoration process. So that's primarily what I've done since, you know, I graduated in 94, um, and I've primarily been involved with the revival of, of customary art forms and really trying to drag them into the present so that they are relevant and will also speak into the future so that, you know, our people will continue to be engaged with them and engaged with all of the kaupapa that are locked inside them. But, you know, the, the real privilege for me was being uh, introduced to some you know, really amazing people. Like I, I became involved with Waka under Hotu, Hotu Kerr, mm-hmm. you know, with Tanga Puro under Hirini Ma. And then, you know, I went on to uh, get involved with Moko, like myself, uh, um, Derek Ladelli and Tehi Manuka and um, Te Rangi, Rangi Kaihoro, Laurie Nicholas. Mm. Um, and myself kind of in three different parts of the country, um, kind of simultaneously um, kicking off the revival of Moko. And it's amazing to see where that's got to. Yeah. But, you know, I know for sure that, you know, whilst those practitioners were interested in the revival of the art form, they knew exactly what they were doing and how that their art form was going to influence the polity of our identity, you know, and how it um, reaffirms things like connection to each other, connection back to the whenua, and all of that stuff that, um, that, that slowly rebuilds us as a nation that visibly looks Māori too. Because, you know, it's one thing walking around with brown skin is something else walking around with all of your indicators, or all of your tongi, all, all, of, all of that stuff. There's it's something else different again. Yeah, so that's kind of, you know, and, and I, I mean, I look at Moko now and I'm, I'm I'm not doing anywhere near as much Moko as what I used to because I'm now looking for kind of like the next challenges, kind of going, okay, yeah, that's safe. You know, what's next? What's next? Just trying to create new platforms so that the next generation can come in and supersede us. Yeah. You know? yeah. There, was a, there was a hui, I can't remember which one it was, yeah, and um, Engari Reira Koe Tate, and it was a Tonga Puro hui, and I went along with, with Rangi Iria. And uh, I te kōrero koutou mō te whakaora i ngā taonga pūro. Mm. And, um, you know, you likened the toy of ngā mahi a Henerauka to this patient that was in the hospital bed. Um, and this is a kōrero I've taken through life since that hui, which is over 20 years ago now, or maybe just on 20 years. And um, <laughs> anyway, you talked about the, that, that, it was, that the taonga pūro was a tūroro. And it had all these life support systems going in, and it was on its way out. And then um, Hedini came along, and he had the um, what do you call these? The like the defibrillator. Oh yeah. You know, like the electric things. Yeah. And he jolted it, you know, and he jolted that um that toodle, that patient, and woke it up, you know, before it was and revived it. Defibrillator. Yeah, 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 yeah. That thing. <laughs> the mihini fakahi ko manawa space, <laughs> and, and that's what Hedini done. And then you all, the wedo you put out to everybody said, right, hadn't you came along and done that? Now what are we doing? So now that two daughters revived, 
Um, we don't need to come along now with another pair. So what are we doing? What are we doing now to get that tūruru out of bed, walking and living out of the mm-hmm. hui pera? And I've applied that for Karo from your kōrero that you gave it. That it wasn't actually. It wasn't even. You were just sitting around having a cup of tea. That's what you were saying. And I've applied that kōrero um, to a lot of things that that I've done in in my short time on this earth. I always go back to thinking about because you can apply that to a lot of things. And with you talking about the wheel, even now I'm thinking about some of those spokes in the wheel. What are some of those spokes? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Taringa's been a big push with Rangi Matama the past few years. That was yeah. definitely one of those spokes. And that's, you know, that's good now. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's just I've got all these, kete, you know, kete, kete rere aku whakaro. Yeah. Herawe. I mean, the other, the other thing is, is that you can grab one of those spokes and then start drawing rings around it and start looking at all of the components that make up the health of that one particular thing. And so um, so that's really our challenge. You know, and I think, I mean, you know, I used to try and encourage people because our biggest problem is and was then 20 years ago and, and is even probably even more relevant now is that the few old people that we've got, mm. a lot of the knowledge that they've got, they're not able a lot of the time to, there's no facility for them to sit down and waken that up. But, um, but you know, that's what I try to encourage people to do is to actually go and hang out with your old people mm. and take them and do things that they used to do. Take them and support them to do things that they used to do when they were young because they know stuff that they don't even know is super, super valuable. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah and you're watching them picking something and then you go, oh, what, what's that you're picking? And then they tell you whatever they know, and then and then they prepare it in a particular way, and you go, oh, what, what you know, who taught you that? Oh, and then all of a sudden you end up having a fucker papa to a practice that you didn't even know. So you know, hanging out with people, old people, especially our our parke, they've got a wealth of knowledge, but it's just oh, that's just what we used to do, and it's like oh, oh, I can see now the connection between that and that, and oh, I can, it's, and and that's why that. Pardon that in that way at all, and that karakia, or in that haka, or in that toiporopora connects to that. Oh, and, and that's our job is to start trying to connect those things back up again. Oh. Yeah, I got uh, one of my karaua. I, I like to go pick them up every now and again. And uh, we have a cup of tea, and then we just go for a drive around Narohe. And um, he just talks. We'll yeah. pull up and he'll, you know, he's just going to town. He, 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 and he keeps telling me, oh, I don't know anything, boy. And then he'll be, you know, <laughs> talking about the healing spots and, yeah. you know, and what they used to do when they were young and saying, oh, blah, blah, sware was there and blah, blah, sware. And it's tino tika to kōrero, he nui ngā koumātua, kaore rātou i te mōhio, kare rānei rātou e whakapono ana he mōhio tanga o rātou. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they think, yeah, it's tino rongo anau i te rāhua tanga i ngā koumātua. I learned a lesson about that when I was at Wharewananga Waikato and, and one of um, the essays that I had to write was what what customary knowledge do, do, you, do you still have or carry in your family? And, you know, I didn't think I had anything and, and I was really um, troubled over it. And because uh, my, I, I, you know, I was still learning to kōrero then and, and, and my dad uh, couldn't speak Māori, but from a young age, I, you know, because I was the eldest, I was the one that always had to go with them when we were collecting kai or catching kai, and so I'd be in the holding the end of the net that had to go into the river. And but you know, it wasn't it wasn't until I questioned why every second weekend I always drove back home here to Taranaki and went down to to Waiungana here to the to the river where, where we spent 
you know, so much of our spare time. And she wasn't spare. We were actually collecting kai. Because mm. what I do is I look down and I thought, oh, shit, I, I know every inch of this piece of land. Mm. And of this river and of our kawa, of our reefs where we go and get kai. Mm. And, and, and then I and I know how to prepare it and I know uh, how to cook it. And then um, and then, uh, then I remembered, oh, ACL job, my job and my sister's job, because she was a year younger than me, was to take these silver dishes that we had with all our kai that we put hot and to take them over to our um, great uncles and great aunties. And then they would send us back with preserved jams and jellies. And I suddenly realised, mm. shit, there's a whole system going on there that I didn't even know I was a participant. Mm. In. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I suddenly realised right from the process of going out and collecting kai, where you got it, how you got it, how much you um, took, and then what you did at home and how you prepared it, and then the process of the social distribution and maintaining relationships is like, Far out, and I and, and it was only then that I realised I actually had a lot of knowledge. I just didn't. I took it for granted. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, um, the, you know, a lot of our people have that stuff. We, we just, um, we just don't put value around it. Anna. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Rangiki nga um, mahi fakairo, kio mm. mahi 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 fakairo. Taku patai. At what point in your adventure, you know, to eat fakairo because it's still going. You know, adventures never. Never end. They're ongoing, I believe. Uh-huh. And um, where, where in there, where in there did you sort of have this philosophy of sort of going from the traditional into the contemporary per se? And your your philosophies around that and your thinking around that. Um, that came to me really clearly when, after doing uh, a couple of commissions for government departments, because you know, man, thirty years ago. There was really no market for Māori art. Mm. The only market uh, for Māori art was um, working as a, you know, trade carver, really carving houses. And it's not like our people are putting up houses um, yeah. every week. It's almost non-existent now. Um, back then, they were still putting up houses. But um, but the other um, the other major opportunity, really, for those of us that were trained in the customary sense was to um, work on um, commissions for government departments. So I did one for... The housing corp that I did in my first year at Varsity that paid for my way through Varsity that year. Did another one for um, Petra Corp. I did one each year, actually. But I started to realise at the Tufera mm. when we would have the unveiling of the work, I realised then that I had to explain everything. Mm. And uh, and I realised then that, oh, I started, I started to question myself, why am I doing this when even our own people don't understand our own language anymore. Mm. It, it seemed to me to be um, self-defeating. It just didn't make, it didn't make sense. So whilst I was making, um, you know, generating income for me, there was no connection. There was no tangible, no real connection other than that people turn up going, oh yeah, that's really cool. But that served the institution. It didn't serve our people. Oh. So, so I started to then wonder what the problem was. So if our people, so if we've been so disaffected that we don't even understand our own visual languages again or anymore, um, that's a problem. Mm. And, and it's a problem even getting them uh, a succession plan going because if our people don't understand it, there's surely no reason to carry on doing it. Mm. So, um, so it was then that I had to revise my perspective. And even, and, and even then, um, contemporary Māori art, you know, those that were on the first wave, the Gordon Tovey 
lot, you know, like um, Sandy and mm. Cliff and that crew, Kura de Warurewiri, you know, even then they were probably still struggling um, to push into that ground. But because I remember even when I was lecturing um, and we had, a, I think it was a major um, Māori arts conference at Massey, and it was probably around uh, 99 or something like that, and, and I remember Hiru Nyumoko Mead, he'd not, probably not long finished his Fakairo book, and um, and his proposition was is that Māori art was only a customary Māori art. Oh. And, um, and by that time, oh. I'd truly abandoned that, yeah. because if our own people don't see it yes. and don't have a relationship with it, then that can't be... That it can't be true. Yeah. And if we look at even the tradition that we've inherited that we call customary, we're carving with steel chisels. Mm. So even our tupuna, uh, as soon as they were um, exposed to new technology, including when they came from Hawaii or Nga Hawaii to Aotearoa and became exposed to um, new timbers uh, and new stone, they offered them uh, the opportunity to have you know a lot sharper edges. Mm the development of Rua Kumara and their ability to store food for um, for uh, periods where they could have a lot of, a lot more time uh, for artistic development and artistic expression, our arts exploded mm. and, and went through a new revolution. And it was just a response to their environment and to their times. Mm. So a contemporary response to our environment and the times is, is what was called for. And, you know, if you look at the last 30 years, it's been amazing. Yeah. The explosion of Māori expression, expressionism, through not only customary, you know, so-called customary, as well as contemporary. And you know, I think that those terms are really problematic to use, especially if you look at Māori concepts of time. Mm. It's just, they are just what they are. Yeah. And, mm. and we are. We are. And, and I don't care for other people's um, definitions of who we are. We'll make that determination and we'll make the same determination about our languages that we use to continue to keep um, communicating amongst ourselves and as an outward expression of who we are on this land, in this land. Can you think of a um, project that has been really important to you or made like a huge impression on you and in the way you've worked as an artist? Yeah. I mean, actually, all of the movements that I've been involved with, like Waka, you know, I, I introduced Waka back here. The change is incremental, but now looking back over nearly 30 years, what's cool about it is it's become normalised. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the, the whole concept of mana moana, we now people are back on the water again and in a first-hand relationship with our moana, that's mana moana. Tangaporo, same thing. And um, and actually I kind of abandoned Puro because it wasn't progressive enough for me. Yeah. People are still... Um, still pretty kind of stuck in this kind of zone yeah. when I actually think that we 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 should be really kind of like way out here. Yeah. Um, anyhow, that's another story. Um, but but Moko, Moko's been really gratifying, yeah. you know, to see how it gives back to individuals and, and reasserts and reaffirms things that are really uh, deeply hidden in us. Mm. I think that, you know, people will look back at the revival of Moko for the social and cultural phenomenon that it's been and will continue to become. Because the amazing thing about it is, is that it's actually, um, you know, it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm. It's, it's pretty cool. Mm. Because, you know, Moko's drawn from the whenua. Moko's mm. drawn from and reaffirms uh, really fundamental things like identity and like uh, connection. And, of course, the things that go with connection to whenua is roles and responsibilities. Mm. And so, you know, any time 
that you re um, sew back into the skin of our people those narratives. Mm. It, you can't erase those things. You can't erase those narratives anymore. They're sewn into your skin. Yeah. And when you sew them into your skin uh, for uh, as an outward projection of a living thing that has sprung from the spinua, that's really deep. Yeah. You know. So so a lot of the time I don't actually talk about things like um, mataura and niwareka. I actually prefer to go back much deeper than that. Because when you think about our ngārahu and all of our inks, they were taken from whenua. They were yeah. taken and they were Ooh. drawn from the lady. Yeah. And so are we. And so what you're doing is, is you're drawing those things when you talk about who you are, your tauparapara, your pepeha, all of those things. All of those things that you're referencing, you've drawn from those and you've put them back into your skin mm. for all to see that you are the living expression of your environment. Mm. In my mind, I know that our people, just the same as what they do with Mara and everything else, it's, it's a natural thing. It's a natural thing for Indigenous peoples to um, to reaffirm the connection to the thing that keeps them alive. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Now, um, so moko is a continued expression of that. These things that keep you alive, you you um, you actually sew them back into your skin, uh, so that they become part of you. That's yeah. that's oh, that's amazing. Mm. That's really that's as deep as you can go. <laughs> So yeah, that's been really gratifying being part of that and seeing where that's going. And you know, I I, I love seeing the um, you know the success of got different waves now of new practitioners coming along and, mm. and pulling it into shape and and um, pulling it into new places. It's amazing. But I think um, the latest thing that I've just done actually has been probably the um, the thing that I'm most excited about, which is because about five years ago I started to look for new challenges because I, I was really happy about where Moko's at. Yeah. And um, and I started to think about um, our built environment. If you drive through Aotearoa, if you drive through these countrysides, you drive through Goa, you drive through Taranaki, you drive through Dunedin, Auckland, you could, uh, sorry, any other part of the world. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so I started to um, think about the invisibility of our people on our landscape mm. and especially in our built landscape. Yeah. So, so I'm talking about architecture, um, yeah. all of our assets like, you know, motorways, bridges, all of the, you know, civic structures, all of that sort of stuff. You know, that's all the glue yeah. that holds the nation together. So I'm kind of looking, I've been looking at that and kind of going, so how do we influence and change our built environment so that it actually reflects our values and reflects our people. Because if we're talking about tourism, you could come into Taranaki, drive around, and you think you're in bloody Mersey or somewhere in England somewhere. Yeah. Because all of the building codes, all of the building ideologies have been imported. Yeah. And you can tell a difference because if you go and look at our ones, they're different. But why are they different? So it's a really obvious, um, you know, um, Eurocentric bias to the way in which our cities have been laid out. Mm-hmm. the way in which they've been constructed, the building codes, all that sort of stuff. So I've just finished a major project. I started on it about three years ago, and that's the new New Plymouth Airport Terminal. Oh, cool. And so, so I mean, this is just down the road. It, it's right next to Dawa where my grandfather's buried. I'm a trustee of the Māori land right immediately over the fence on the runway. You know, this this fin was my heart, and... Uh, but we found out that the council had commissioned a, a design for a new airport terminal. We only found this out because um, the design that had come back was um, really poor. 
and that the senior leadership team, uh, no one, no one liked it. And so they kicked up a, a, a stink about it. And that's how we heard about it. Now, now the backdrop to this is, is that our local hapu here, they've had two blocks of land that have been confiscated off them. One was the old, uh, um, the Haviland Aerodrome, which is just up the road. It's a line right next to the main highway here. And then that became unfit for purpose in the early 60s. And so uh, what the Crown did was they then confiscated this coastal piece, uh, which the present airport's on, which is on a massive stretch of mm. kainga that run along the coastal area there. And not only that, but um, a majority of it was Urupa because it's all sand there. And we estimate it's probably around 30,000 people there. Now, they confiscated that under the Public Works Act or took it under the Public Works Act, early 60s, built a new airport, opened the year I was born in 66. So the Crown then gave the old airport land that they took off us to the council and they sold it off as an industrial estate. Now, our people have got, we talk about that all the time. Yeah. Because the two significant sites, two big blocks of land. Anyhow, um, we found out about the design, we didn't had a meeting with the council and the council said, well, you know, you guys are like one of 20 special interest groups. And, you know, our people, they went in the day said, no, we are the special interest group. <laughs> you take two blocks of land off us, both of them have been alienated away from us. The land, um, is the airport's built on our land. We are the biggest shareholder in there. Mm. And so, uh, so we, we, you know, we basically let them know in no kind of uncertain terms that if they were going to try and build a new airport without our involvement, we were going to stop it. We'll do whatever it takes. Yeah. Well, we've got nothing to lose anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other than not getting a plane to Wellington or something. <laughs> and the problem with, with the council is they don't have any institutional memory. So they don't realise that they've been the author of um, of and the recipient of two significant and tapu, you know, really sacred um, pieces of land for our people. Uh, I mean, the land that the present airport's on is the land that Pukitapu takes its name from. Mm. Oh. So, you know, it's it's uh, it was a source of great grief for our people. So we ended up having a two-day wananga with the council, with with uh, architects, with uh, landscape designers and some independent observers, and we basically thrashed out over two days that we would be part of the project, um, that we would speak into the into the architecture of the building as well as the landscaping. And it, it ended up being about a three-and-a-half-year project from the start of designing through conceptual design, developed to the detailed design, and then we spent the last year and a half doing all of the artworks in the in the in the building. Wow! But the cool thing about the building is, is that um, because the airport's a, 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 a celestial terrestrial kaipapa, you know, planes fly in from the sky and land, and then they take off again. We we chose to pursue um, the thematic of tamaro norungi terangi. Mm. Oh, So the lower half of the building is rongoero, and we chose to um, use this um, cerise kind of purpley pinkish colour. Um, it's taken off the, the local um, hibi titirangi that uh, that is endemic to the site. And so so her narrative runs through the building and Tamaro's narrative runs so the, the, so the roof line slopes up into the sky like this. Yeah. His is, we, we chose a colour for him being yellow because, of course, and so uh, And so the two of them actually connect in the middle and then, uh, and then in the middle of the building is a massive wall that goes from the roof down and that's where her korpu is. And Kaputamaya Awanuyarangi. Yeah, so so the whole building is a, is an expression of our creation narrative. Mm. And so when people fly into Taranaki, they now know that they're flying into Taranaki. Yeah. 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 So so for me, 
that's a that's a site specific, um, honest expression of our social and cultural history, and I think that that's what that's what those buildings should be. I love it. You know, and it's the same like with hospitals. At present, they're looking at doing a new wing on the hospital. So it's like, well, okay, how do we craft the hospital, the new hospital wing, so that it doesn't alienate our people? Mm. Mm. It's a science, actually. Yeah. The idea of spatial design, the way in which it either makes you feel like and invites you into a building or it doesn't. Yeah. yeah. It's that way to a... We want them to feel welcome, but we also want them to be exposed to our ourselves, our people. Now, the cool thing about that is we made sure out of the out of, out of the board, we got our hapu um, uh, nominates one of out of the four board members, and then we also secured a commercial platform. So, you know, we're trying to sew in and make sure that we've got a commercial reality in there as well as a cultural reality. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, I'm excited listening to you. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to drive to Auckland or Wellington and get a flight to um, Ngamutu just so I can yeah. see the... Oh, my. See the, and then I'll come and visit you as well. Afia tuwhirai te tauranga wakarererangi. Ko tuwhirake. Oh, ko tuwhirake. Oh, hika. I mua i te COVID. Ah, na whai anō. Oh, yeah. I've been pretty good at dodging flying to Wellington near Hoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've been once and um, I was but um, but nini pairunga i te planers, <laughs> but awkward everyone was just like, oh, heka, getting on the plane. No, I'm excited to I'm excited to see what happens in the space. Yeah. Mo te taha ki te, you know, ki te waihanga whare, and tika e nui ngā kōrero, you know, mō a tātou tūpuna me a rātou mahi, um, e roto i nā mahi toi and, and you know in the real space one of the things I say is our tūpuna never stop creating so we have all these whakatauki that we use and yep they're still pertinent to us as a people today but our tūpuna never ever said to us there's not anything that says that me mutu te waihanga mm. ko te kōrero me tūpu te waihanga yeah. so the the creation process and everything to do with it is always growing they didn't say me mutu you know you can't stop me you, you need to stop making whakatauki <laughs> um, and E pēnei anō tēnei wāhanga mō te, whaka, mō te whakatū whare Māori yeah. nei te āhua Kaua ko te āhua, nake engari ko te wairua Yeah, putting those cultural narratives into the designs of the building Yeah, and, for, yeah, and feeling them Yeah, feeling them You know, he mea nui tērā, we've talked about on taringa, you know, the kupu wairua And, you know, the wairua you feel when you see something When you go somewhere, when somebody says something You know, toi Kei roto te toi i te whare, he reo tō te toi. Koe nea no te tahi o kōrero i te rā nei. He wairu anō tō te reo o te toi, o ngā mahi toi. One of the biggest problems I had with that project was is like about a third of the way in I realised, oh man, our people are going to come to to open this building and to, to bless our stuff that's here and then they're going to walk out and then what? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because down the road at our marae, it's bare. Yeah, mm. true. So, um, so one of the things that, I, and the other thing I didn't want to do was to walk out and then our people feel hoha because they've we've got all of our rawa there. I've put all of my heart and soul in, into those things, yeah. and then and then we walk out and feel like we've left it for those people to look after. And so that's why we made sure that we had a commercial space in there because they were able to to be present the whole time. But the other thing that I put in there was I put a toka maumahara right down by um, where you check in so that uh, and it's in front of the vista to the maunga 
and, and immediately below it, um, about two meters down, is the Toka Māori. Now, above us, the Toka Maimahara, so that when people pass, our people can come in when they when they come back for tangi or um, they, that's where the Rokawakawa goes on that toka. Mm. Um, and then uh, the other thing I did was is I made the kōpū of Rongo Uerua where the two of them connect and there's an effigy of this beautiful um, little wee, and it's a stunning piece, but a little whale tooth um, pokapakoko that was found on the site. Um, and so I, I got that out of the museum and I replicated it into an effigy about this big. Wow. That's it's in the middle of that wall, but I made that wall into a tuahu. Yeah. Oh. oh. Wow. When our people come in and they come to, to leave the place, they, they use it as a ruru whenua. Yeah. Ah. Miharu. Yeah, because what we're doing then is, is that we're expressing to everyone that's in the building yep. that we're making connection back to our sacred site again and that we own this. Mm. You know, and you actually, so, you know, uh, I, that's what I said to our people. I said, if you want, if you're going to complain about other people, you know, if you don't want other people to own this building, then you have to come in and you have to demonstrate your ownership. Anna, Anna. You have to demonstrate yeah. your connection. Yeah. So so I, I deliberately um, chose to make it a tuahu. So that um, so that when you come in, you put your uru, you put your alay or whatever around Awanuyarangi. Yeah. And you yeah. hang up or you come and touch Awanuyarangi and you make connection to the site when you come in or when you leave. Then not Because that's different, you know, that's different. That's Yeah. Ah, I got to go, I got to get there. Yeah, I know, I want to go there too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I done an interview with Sandy Adset a few, uh, a couple of years ago now, and I asked him what his um, aspirations for the future of Toyo Māori were. And, yeah, one thing that he said is he wanted to see um, Māori culture have more influence on our architecture. So it's so cool to hear you talking about this because going thinking about that interview is exactly the kinds of things of what he aspired for Toyo Māori. So on that note, what are your aspirations for the future of Toyo Māori? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I think the thing for me is, like, like I've, I've been asked, my brother and I just flew down to Natitama to one of our iwi. They want us to do, you know, a number of large public artworks on land that is significant. And, and um, I mean, I, I can do art any, any day, so that, that's not a challenge for me. The challenge for me that I, that I then offered to them to pick up it was is that it's no good just doing stuff like that and then putting it out there on a piece of funeral that's significant. What I'm interested in doing is doing whatever it is, our stuff, so that they become living spaces again. Mm. No good putting stamps on the ground if we're not actually going to use them as as our referential points to re to, to you know to shore ourselves up again and to and to turn around to face the world again. If it's just going to be you know. For adornment, yeah, I'm not really interested. I'm I'm interested in making living spaces again. Yeah. It's a, yeah. our people become, a, you know, they dominate again our living spaces. Become alive again, yeah. Because I, I think it's um it's problematic looking at art and then going, oh, how can that do this? Actually, no, that stuff there is supposed to be an outward expression of a yeah. community that's alive yeah. and well, yeah. So if I'm ever doing any of this stuff, it's got to have a relationship back to doing, so that it ends up becoming this thing that goes like this, up, you know, they're, they're continuously um, shoring each other up, they're continuously mm. reaffirming each other's, each other's well-being and mana. 
Tēnā koe rangi, he nui ngā ah, pirangu ki te tuhi kōrero i muri tēnei. Um, engari, e mihi nui atu ana. Uh, he nui ngā takeaways yeah. i tēnei. Yeah. Engari, tēnā koe e like whaka... Like thought-provoking kōrero there. Yeah, e, well, yeah, whakahihiri nei ngā whakāro. Yeah. E whakahihiri nei ngā whakāro, e whakahihiko nei i, I, I te Māori, i o Māua Māori, o tira i ngā Māori o um, ngā kaiwhakarongo. E te tiro anō ai tātou ki te Māori o te toi. Me te hāngai, te wāhi rā nei o, o taua Māori rā o ngā mahi toi, hei whakakite, hei whakawhenua, hei whakatūranga waiwai, hei mea whakapono hoki i te Māori. Uh, ki tō tātou au, ki o tātou whenua, ki o tātou maunga, ki o tātou awa, ki a tātou anō, ki o tātou moana, mērā, mea katoa. E rere nui ana ngā mihi kia koe, ai, ka, ka mātu i tēnā, kua, kua, kua rangatira taringa i te rānei. Nā te rehe. Nā te rehe, nō rera, e mihi nei kia koe te rehe, kia taunga taufirotanga ki runga kia koe, ki tōu whānau o tira, ki tōu iwi, me o mahi katoa, me o tūmanako katoa, Kei mui te aro aro. Tēnā koe. Thank you. I love it. Thank you very much. Rauwe ngā kōrero ne. Oh, hard out. Hard out. So, like, real deep and meaningful. Mm-hmm. I like how we said, like, you can use toy to adorn things, and, and that's all good. Yeah. But then it's just another level when you use toy to inform things. Yeah. And yeah, like you were saying, you get that wairua. Absolutely. Yeah, I had lots of things going on because, um, you know, I've spent a bit of time with Rangi. I met him through Tonga Puro, um, as I said. And um, yeah, he was sort of at that point actually then of sort of stepping away from Tonga Puro because he was like, oh, this isn't going anywhere. You know, sort of like doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's made a bit of a move, but needs to do a bit more. Maybe mm. we'll leave that for when we have Tonga mm. on the show to have a wānanga about. Yeah. Um, so every time I'm in his space, um, or we share a space, I should say, he always says things, even when he's just in conversation, that, yeah, inspire me. And as I said, when I shared that story about the, um, you know, charging the Tonga Puro, that's yeah. something that I've, I've applied to a lot of other things. Yeah. And now I'm going, I want to go away and draw that wheel. Yeah. And get some put some spokes up and so I have yeah. a personal own, my own personal wānanga but yeah I, was, I like the language of toy which is you know something Maggie talks about and yeah. there was just so much in there yeah. so that's the, the philosophy of toy Māori Hoia no um, anei te waiata o te wiki e te iwi ka te waiata Erika um, so this week's waiata o te wiki is Tiki Tapu by none other than the great Rao Bruha Whakarongo mai
as well, eh? Oh, yeah. He loves weaving, He's eh? He's an amazing weaver. Yeah, We had a wānanga at the start of this year, actually, at our marae, and he um, taught a few of us how to extract muka. Oh. And it was really cool because he shared with us, like, um, the names for everything. Yeah. Like, the shiny side of the flax, the dull side. Cool. Um the names for each process. I recorded it all on my GoPro. I need to go back and look at that footage. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes, and and keep practicing it. Yeah. Hey, like yeah. Um, Rangi was saying, Rangi Keeper was saying, um, and it's not just the practicing of it, it's the living it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so, and that was a cool way out <laughs> Yes. But it's yes. just, we had to talk about his mahi raranga to tie it in with, the, with our toy series. So, yeah, there you go with the iwi. So, um, yeah, that's um, philosophy, the philosophy of toy. Yeah, because I'd asked Rangi to talk about whakairo, but I knew, as I said, sharing space with him over the years when I've been lucky enough to that it wouldn't just be about whakairo because it can't just be about one thing. They all... They're all tied in together. Uh-huh. You know, Pirato Tatawa Māori. Well, yeah, that's what I was 
one well, not wondering but because he is uh he was originally training for Kaido and then he's gone into Tamako mm. which are two different avenues but still very the same oh definitely yeah. Yeah. So it's all tied in together. <laughs> He mea tuku nā te wānanga o Aotearoa, a nā te māngai pāho i tautoko. To listen to more episodes, search for us on your podcast app and subscribe. Taringa, whakarongo mai.